Amen. How's everyone feeling? Do you need to stand up and have a wriggle? Or are you good? You good? All right. Carla, I have some slides. You've got them. Okay. Um, if you want to put that first one up. So we've just started doing a series um, called The Cross. And on our face, Facebook promo, it's just got the little thing, live what he paid for. Live what he paid for. The whole heart of this six weeks is to like lay a foundation of belief so that you will be able to live what he paid for. And I believe that we're about to step into a shift for this community. Um, in May, we're having an Equip the Saints course. Um, and we'll, Joel Shaw will be coming. And he just carries the fire of God. And he's an evangelist. And he'll equip us in evangelism. And we're going to see a harvest of souls come into our community. And we can't disciple the souls that will come in if we don't know what we believe and if it's not like settled and grounded and we're not established in it. So that's why we're like just sticking to the cross, Christ in him crucified and we just want to like make things super clear so that when the harvest comes in and we've got like an extra 60 people to disciple, we can match them up with every single one of you and say, you take that person and you disciple them. You teach them what it's all about. So that's why we're here. That's why we're camping here. So get ready. There's a shift coming. This building will be full of like more people soon. So get ready. You're going to have to help us teach them. You're going to have to help disciple. So take notes. All right. So last week, um, Dave laid a really great foundation for this series and he left us with three points. The first one, he was like, you need to know what you believe. Why? Because you do what you believe. Okay, so we want to know what we believe. He left, point number two, we need to be obedient to what we believe. Every single day, I think I pray, God, please don't let me have understanding that is greater than my level of obedience. I want to I obey what I understand before he helps me understand more. May we be a community that is obedient to the level of understanding God has given us. And then the third point that he left us with was we need to take what we believe and infect the world around us. So just like I said... Um, there's a shift coming and we're here to be salt and light to this city. So we're going we're to ground you in knowing what you believe, encouraging you to be obedient in what you believe and then we're going to teach you how to take that and infect the world around you. So today I want to talk about a simple fundamental truth. Um... And I can confidently say that if you don't get this, you probably won't be a very effective Christian. I want to talk about what it, what it looks like to make Jesus your Lord. And you might be like, well, 
That's simple, that's easy. But I was a Christian for 10 years and I didn't know this and it resulted in a not very fruitful or effective life. So our main scripture for today is Romans 10 verse 9 and you've probably heard it a thousand times. And it says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I feel like we can read this scripture and it not mean anything to us. And I'm sure you've heard in a church somewhere, you've heard someone say, say this scripture and be like, everyone close your eyes. And if you don't feel like you're right with God, just slip your hand up and we'll say a quick prayer and then you'll be right with God. And if you die tonight, then you'll be fine. And I'm like, ah, I hope they explain it a little bit better than that because there's so much more in that scripture. What does, it make, what does it mean to make Jesus your Lord? What does it mean to make Jesus your Lord? It's not just a prayer to go to heaven. I'll give you a hot tip. It's a whole lot more than that. Let's look at this verse. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That word Lord in the Strongs, if you have um, an iPhone, I would really encourage you to get the Olive Tree app. It's a little app and you can download the ESV version of the Bible with Strongs. So you can click on any word and it brings up the Greek. And then you can see like an expanded meaning for the word. So that's what I did. I clicked on the word Lord Um, And in Strong's, the word is kairos, which means supreme in authority, controller, master, he to whom a person or thing belongs, the owner. I'm going to say that again. It's a little bit more than just a simple prayer to go to heaven. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... He's your supreme authority. He's your controller. He's your master. And you belong to him now. It's a bit of a game changer. Your life is not your own. You were bought with a price. Jesus owns you. Actually make him your Lord. This is a game changer. The gospel will cost you. It will cost you everything you were never created to be. You will have to give up your rights. If Jesus is your Lord, you don't have rights anymore. You're going to have to give up your selfishness. If Jesus is your Lord, you're no longer alive for you. You're alive for him. You don't get to be selfish anymore. It's not about you. You're going to have to give up your sin. 
You don't own that life now. You don't get to choose. He's your Lord. You're going to have to give up your pride. He's your Lord. You were never created to live like that anyway. When I was, when I was like writing the children's program, had this little message burning in my heart. I'm like, God, how do I, how do I teach kids this without it being like, I don't know, weird and super heavy? <laughs> and I just saw a picture of some ice cream and some sprinkles being sprinkled all on top of the ice cream. And I felt God say, we don't add Jesus to our life like people add sprinkles to an ice cream. When we live like that, it actually won't make any sense. How do I know? Because I, I was that Christian. I was raised in a Christian home. And I said a prayer to go to heaven when I was 12. Um, and then I went on my own little track of selfishness in my teenage years. Um, and I encountered the Lord one night when he woke me up. And he like, he just put his finger on my heart. And he was like, you need to get right with me. I'm not going to say what he said. But he... He convicted me of my sin. I was in sin and I was in willful disobedience, I would say. He convicted me of my sin and I was like, ah, oh, God's real. I was, I was filled with the fear of the Lord and I knew God was real and I knew I had to like do something. So I was born again in my bed and I rung up the only person I knew and I went to church that Sunday. The only Christian I knew was my boss at the time. And I was like, can I come to church with you? And so I started to go to church and I did all the Christian things. I sung to Jesus and I um, was on the welcome team and I served in the kids' ministry and I gave my money. Um, and on Sunday, I was being a good Christian, the best I knew how. And during the week... I was living for myself and I was defined by my circumstances. Um, I was pretty miserable. I was defined by what my husband thought of me. This is not attractive to a dying world. I was probably more miserable than most unsaved people and it was like I had a foot in two worlds. I had a foot in the God camp because I knew he was real. But I also had a foot in the world camp because I hadn't made Jesus my Lord. I didn't even know what that meant. I knew God was real and I was like, here I am. But So I was like this. And a house divided can't, it can't stand. I was singing the praises of God and still living for myself. No one had explained to me about this. No one told me that I'd have to lay down my life. 
I feel like when I met with God, I was like, I need to do something, but I didn't have the understanding that I need to actually lay down my life. No one told me that I died. I didn't know that co-crucifixion was a thing. I had access to a Bible, so I don't, I don't blame anyone. It's not anyone's fault. I obviously didn't read my Bible. But come on, we need to preach this thing clear. We need to tell people when they're born again what, what it actually is. So we don't end up with like Christians that are like a bit of Jesus on a Sunday and I'll live like whatever I want to do every day of the week. Because it's not attractive and the world doesn't want that. And so I lived like that for 10 years and I was more miserable than ever. And eventually it got too much because this was super uncomfortable. (laughs) And I knew that something was wrong and I knew I was missing something and I genuinely loved God. So I cried out to him and I was like, God, I can't do it anymore and I can't walk away from you because I know that you're real. So you have to speak to me. You have to tell me what I'm missing. And once again, he met me. Do you know what? God's so faithful. When you seek God, you will find him. (laughs) When you cry out to him in humility, he'll answer you. He's a good father. So again, he met me in my bedroom and he opened my eyes to the full gospel and he taught me that I wasn't alive for me anymore. I was like, oh my gosh. He taught me that I didn't have to struggle with sin because that nature died and I was holy, blameless and above reproach. He taught me that I had full access to him. He taught me that I could be intimate with him, that there was nothing in the way. You see, the cross isn't just where Jesus died. When you made a decision to get born again, you died too. You died when you said yes to following Jesus. And so in the next little season of my life, this was about four years ago, God, like, it was like he tattooed some scriptures on my heart and made them come alive to me. Um, And you've probably heard them before, but we're just going to remind each other of what they are. Galatians 2.20. And I hope it should come up. Thank you, Miss Carla. Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There it is in plain English, who was crucified? I have been. Who was crucified? Say it. Who was crucified? Do I live for me anymore? No. Christ lives in me. I live for him. Colossians 2. No, Colossians 3, sorry. Verse 2 to 3. 
And it says, set your mind on things that are above, not on the things on earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. There it is again. You died. Boom. Romans 6, verse 6 to 7. It says, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin for one who has died has been set free from sin. So if you've died, you've been set free from sin. Who wants to be free from sin? Me. You've got to die to be free. So when you set, said yes to Jesus, it means you're not alive for you anymore. Your old selfish nature was crucified. That has some therefores attached. That should look like something. I have no right to be offended. Even when something offensive happens to me, I don't have a right to be offended because offence comes out of a selfish motivation But I'm crucified and I don't live for me anymore. I have no right to carry hurt or pride. I have no right. I'm crucified and Christ lives in me now. I'm not alive for me. And if my old nature is dead and Christ lives in me, and Christ is love, and love takes no record of wrongs, and suffers long, and is kind, then wow, that will change the world. I feel like um, in that season, nearly four years ago, the Lord literally tattooed those scriptures on my heart. And this, this message, it just burns in my spirit unceasingly because I know the dramatic effect that it's had on my life. And if Christians would actually get this, even just the Christians that exist in the world now, if every Christian got this, it would be game over. It would be game over. They say that a third of the world are confessing Christians. They say, yeah, I follow Jesus. That's because they've all said a prayer to go to heaven. They actually don't know what following Jesus looks like. Oh, if a third of the world believed this, the world, it would be over. Darkness wouldn't exist anymore because there'd be way too much light. A third of the world would be love that never gets offended. Whoa. So back to my story. So the Lord met with me that day and it was like all the pieces of the jigsaw came together and it was like, ah, I understand the gospel. Yes. What have I been doing for the last 32 years? I get it. And I spent like a lot of time on the floor just weeping and laughing and just being in the presence of God as I realised just 
the weightiness and the reality of the gospel. And I got up off the floor and then I spent probably nearly close to a month floating around in a gospel bubble. I was just floating around. Nothing in my life had changed, but I knew the gospel and I wasn't alive for me anymore. So I floated around. I would ring up my friend and I'd say, hey, guess what? I've got no problems. I still had plenty of problems, but like Dave was saying, my, my like perspective had completely shifted. And I was alive to have Jesus come out of me, come hell or high water. And so I floated around with no problems, thinking like, this is amazing. Jesus is amazing. But of course, that got tested. And one day, my beautiful husband came home from work. My husband doesn't know Jesus yet. He will very soon. Um, And he came home from work. My husband is a really hard worker. One of his strengths is that he just throws himself into work and he's really good at it. And he's a really good provider for our family. But at the time, he would work 100 hours a week, if not more. And I was at home with my four, four young children. One was only a baby still. And life was tough. Kids were like just being kids. And I was tired, tired. But I was in a gospel bubble. And I had no problems. And it didn't matter that I hadn't seen my husband at all that week or we hadn't had a conversation or that I didn't have very many friends because Jesus is Lord and I'm not alive for me. And I was chugging along in my bubble. And then he came home. um, And he just announced that he was going out for the night with some buddies. I don't really care for going out, drinking. Um, And it was like he'd put a pin in my gospel bubble and I came crashing down and I was standing in my kitchen and I was chopping up carrots with a big knife. (laughs) And I'm standing there chopping and the gospel bubble has popped so I'm not thinking about Jesus or anything. I am straight back into spiralling down an emotional minefield of anger and frustration and offence and I want to kill this man with my big sharp knife. (laughs) And so I'm chopping the carrots and I'm forming in my head a vomit of a response to him. And it's like sounding a little bit like, don't you see me? Don't you care about our family? I'm super tired. I need help. And there was a lot more, but I'm not going to share that with you. It wouldn't be edifying. (laughs) So I am chopping, 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 and I felt like my blood was boiling. I felt like there was smoke coming out my ears, and I took a deep breath to vomit an ungodly response all over him. So I was like, and I went to like, and Holy Spirit in that second whispered to me, hey, Naomi, 
It's lucky you're not alive for you anymore, isn't it? And I had a choice in that moment. And I dropped my knife. I think I giggled. And I said to my husband, have a really nice time. Be safe. And he left, like, because he was bracing himself. He knew it was a, he knew it was a bad decision. He knew. <laughs> so he was bracing himself for the vomit that didn't come. So he left super confused. He's like, what just happened there? And I got to worship Jesus because finally I was free. Do you know that when you fill yourself with the truth, which I had been for a month, I'd just been meditating on Dan Moller teachings and Galatians 2.20, and I'd just been like in my bubble, and it was amazing. But I'd been filling myself with truth. And when you fill yourself with truth, it gives Holy Spirit a big, wide-open platform to just come and breathe on in situations like that. And then when he breathes on that, when, when he said that to me, Farah, I was empowered by his grace to walk out the truth of the gospel in a situation that was difficult. And to this day, when I'm faced with a situation where I could feel wrong, hurt, offended, like it's unfair, I literally hear Holy Spirit's voice echoing in my spirit you're not alive for you I hear his voice every time you're not alive for you I do want to share a quick side note on emotions Um, emotions aren't evil but we do need to learn to deal with them in a healthy way. Um, I think there's three possible pathways to go down and two of them I wouldn't advise, but I'm going to mention them to you in case you're like, yeah, that's me, so you can realise where you are and make a decision to get out of there. Um, With our emotions, okay, option one, you can either... Allow them to rule, which will take you into like a spiral of unhealth probably and into not a very nice place. Most unbelievers live there. Lots of Christians still live there. Um, So you let the emotion of what you're going through define your thoughts, define your behaviour, define your actions... You process it with lots of people, you talk about it, you think about it in the shower, while you're going to the toilet, while you're hanging out the washing, while you're driving, just consumes you. I used to do this. It's not a happy place. A quick way to determine if you're heading toward a grey area in that little realm is put the thoughts that you're thinking in the head of Jesus or the words that you're like saying over and over yourself, 
um, in the mouth of Jesus. And if they sound absurd coming out of his mouth, they should sound absurd coming out of yours. Because as he is, so are we in this world. 1 John 4, 17. So just like tuck that into, the, into your memory. It's like a coin. One side is Jesus, the other side is you. And if you're going down a thought rabbit hole, flip, flip the coin over and imagine Jesus saying that or thinking that. And if it's like, whoa, that, that doesn't sound right coming from Jesus then it's just like a bit of a red flag and you need to be like, Holy Spirit, show me some truth here because I don't want to spiral down. Jesus knows what betrayal felt like. His people abandoned him in, the, in his most vulnerable, needy hour. People spoke against him, they mocked him, they spat on him. Imagine if for one second Jesus let the emotion of what he was going through rule his behavior. Imagine, he never would have went to the cross. That just helps me um, not go down that path. Um, the second way that you can go is block your emotions off. So something happens... You're trying to do the right thing, as he is, so am I in this world. I'm feeling hurt, but I'm not hurt. That's not who I am. I'm going to power on. And you ignore it. You push it down. You squash it. <clears throat> That's not who I am. It's not who I am. It's not who I am. It's not who I am. But I'm like, cranky as. It's not who I am. Who's been there? I've done it. <laughs> You can probably get away with that for just a little while, but eventually it will come out and it probably won't be very pretty. And when you deny the emotions that you're feeling, you're not actually engaging with reality. You're, you're a person. You're not a robot. God wanted robots. He would have made robots. We're meant to feel things. It's okay. So those two are the ways I would prefer that you didn't go down. But if you find yourself there, I'm going to give you an answer. I'm going to give you a solution, a better option. The best way that I've found to deal with emotions um, is not to spiral with them or block them out, but rather engage with them in a place of intimacy with God. I feel like intimacy with God is probably the answer to every question. <laughs> so even when you're feeling super emotional, you go to God and you be super real with him and you process and you say, God, my heart's hurting. And you cry and you pour your heart out to him. He's a loving father and he cares about that stuff. Psalms is full of it. Like, 
people just crying out to God in their distress, in their like fear. God's not afraid of your emotions. And it's important to acknowledge them and get them out through processing with them with the Lord or with a trusted friend who's mature in the Lord. They need to be mature. Don't go processing with just anyone because they need to be seen clear. Because if you're like processing, if I'm processing with Steph about, I don't know, Sally's hurt me, Steph needs to not then be offended at Sally because Sally's done something to me. So you need to be very careful. If, if you're processing with the Lord, you're still not feeling completely free, seek someone out who's wise and mature. Because ultimately that wise and mature person will point you to Jesus and say, you're dead. I love you. And yes, it hurts a little bit, but life is squeezing you and Jesus needs to come out right now. So when I'm in this situation, I'll process with the Lord. I'll cry and I'll say, my heart is hurting, Father. And I'll ask him for his perspective. Lord, what's your, your perspective? Because w- when I see what he sees, I can believe it and step towards it. So I'll ask him nearly every time I pray, Lord, what's your perspective about this situation? What do you think about this? And I'll wait till he speaks. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So wait for him to speak. Wait for him to give you a solution, an answer. So I process with the Lord. And the important thing is not to camp in your emotions. So it's all right to have them, but then we don't camp there. We don't live there for a month. We don't lose a year of our life because we're camped because Sally did something to me 12 months ago. We acknowledge them. We process them with the Lord. We let the Lord reorientate us towards truth. And then we keep heading towards truth. Even if I still feel hurt, Jesus is the truth about me. And he'll deal. And as you do that, the emotions just go. And it's not because I've suppressed them. And it's not because I've spiraled with them. It's because I've processed them with the Lord. And I've allowed him to shed some light on the situation. Now I'm walking with Jesus. And I'm letting Jesus come out. And he loves me and encourages me and spurs me on. I hope that helps someone today. Jesus is our Lord. It looks like something. And we need to be so settled in this that it, like, it results in a big occupied sign on our forehead. You're occupied. Jesus is Lord. David Platt puts it this way. I don't know if you've ever heard him, but he's worth a listen. He says, to follow Jesus is to live with radical abandonment to his glory. All right, I'm going to share one more scripture with you. This just whacked me when I read it, so I thought I'd share it with you, and I just want you to... Sit in it this week and talk to the Lord about it and what it might look like for your life.
Jesus was speaking. This is in the Passion Translation. Jesus was speaking. He replied to them, Now is the time for the Son of Man to be glorified. Let me make this clear. A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops into the ground and dies because then it sprouts and produces a great harvest of wheat all because one grain died. The person who loves his life and pampers himself will miss true life. But the one who detaches his life from this world and abandons himself to me will find true life and enjoy it forever. If you want to be my disciple, follow me and you will go where I am going. And if you truly follow me as my disciple, the Father will shower his favour upon your life. Even though I am torn within and my soul is in turmoil. There you go. Jesus felt stuff. He felt stuff. I will not ask the Father to rescue me from this hour. For I have come to fulfill my purpose, to offer myself up to God. The only way you will ever live in the fullness of what Jesus paid for is by laying down your life and making him your Lord, your master, your supreme controller. Give up your rights. Slay yourself. Self is no longer your God. Consider the, the disciples. They gave up their comfort, careers, possessions, position, families, friends and safety. And look at the result. The gospel spread like a virus and flipped the world upside down. We are living in days where we need to be the light of the world. The earth is groaning for the sons of God to be revealed. Please make sure they don't see this. They need to see us fully in the Jesus camp. Making him our Lord. Will you lay down your mist of a life for him? Imagine what God could do with your little life. When Jesus is Lord, he says jump. And you say how high. He says go and you go. You don't let the fear of man stop the work of God. We want to be an army of people who believe this and live it out. And when we make disciples, we want to multiply this attitude in them. Our city needs this. Will you stand with me so I can pray?